Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Jedi Sorter. I am your host, Jay Larson, and joining me this week, as always, is my co-host, Patrick Whiting. Hello, Patrick. Hey, Jay. How's it going? I'm not too bad. What about you? Not too bad? Yeah, not too bad. Doing pretty good this evening. Excellent. That is good to hear. Right. What has been new with you? Oh, trying to get in as many games as I can. Finished up a big work project, so I've got mental capacity again. And uh, also trying to talk a couple of other friends into picking up the game, at least trying it out, and then then convincing them to pick up the game. Uh, so pro- progress to be to be made there. But just getting in games with this, this I've been playing and been having a lot of fun with it. Good. Yeah. How about you? Um, there's not much going on with me. Um, trying to get in more games, things of that nature. Yeah. Sometimes no news is good news. Yeah. Um, so I, did you have a rule that you wanted to talk about? I, I had one that was in my mind. Oh, yeah. I don't have one in my mind just yet. I've been trying to think on it for a little bit, but yeah, go for it. Let's, so, have you, what have you got? Okay. Uh, this came up in a game that I played where a, I was, I was corrected on a misunderstanding on the rules that I had because I was using my logical mind and not my game player mind, which, mm-hmm. which can often get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh the intuition is, is not always in sync with uh rule simulation. Yeah. So the thing that I got wrong is um okay, so I had a character that was on one of the gantry uh that is, is common in the in the starter sets that we have right now, one of the bridge things, right? So it was on elevatory. Mm-hmm. There was a then a gap in lower elevation terrain. And then, you know, say three, four inches away from that, there was another bridge or gantry. And Mm -hmm. my opponent was like, Oh, I'm going to, he had a character up there on the elevated terrain and he pulled out his full advanced tool and measured over to the other gantry Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I want to move over to this other gantry. And I was like, wait a second, that can't work that way, can it? <laughs> and mm-hmm. because, because obviously there's, there's not, uh, you're, you're not moving along the same elevation the whole time. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're hopping between two different elevated pieces of terrain. Uh, but that's not how the rules were written. <laughs> Yeah, early on I made the same same mistake, but there wasn't the clarification from from above yet, and now now there is. And yeah, you can you can definitely if you're you can move across to the same elevation or lower, I believe, right? Yes. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. It's uh, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense in the same yes same stretch. It's uh. It's cool. I like I like that you can do that, but it is not it's not the first. Yeah, I agree with 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 your instincts there, and I think a lot of people would too. Yeah, yeah. That uh, 
you would think you'd have to go down to then go back up. Uh-huh. Or that you I mean, have to do not, like a climb mo- movement or, you know, something. Right. Mm-hmm. But no, yep. that is not the case. Nope. It's, it's kind of like when you're, when you're, how does it work with Marvel? It's just become so reflexive now where you, when you're moving off of a piece of train, you're considered onto, it's kind of a similar logic that they use for Marvel uh-huh. as well. But, um, yeah. I thought that yeah. was an interesting rule tidbit that <laughs> I did not it's, uh, initially think of. Uh, it's something that I keep in mind now when I'm setting up boards, you know, where where I make room for that and where I might not. Um, just give it, it also gives a different kind of shape to the table, too, which is kind of cool. I'm finding when I factor that into how I want to set the table up. Do you want to allow every space to just be easily traversed on every level or should there be a, places where you have to go down? And then go back up again. Some something else to to think about. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a good one. It's a good one. So, do you do you have anything else? Or are you ready to jump into our main contract or our main main topic? <laughs> um, I don't know if I have anything that's come up for me. Um, so far it's been it's been smooth sailing. Um. That must be nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, or it's just the calm before the storm. Everything makes sense until nothing makes sense. And you feel like you've been playing it wrong this whole time and question everything. And then it goes back to that equilibrium and then you do it again. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think that that always feels like it happens when new characters come out, right? There's new yeah, interactions. Yeah. Yeah. And since that that's coming... Coming, I think next week, um, the, uh, there will be some that, that come up for me that maybe I hadn't thought about before. Yeah. What happens when? Yeah. So far. Yeah. Though, uh, nothing of note for me, which is, feels kind of good. Yeah. It feels kind of good. Awesome. I do, I, I do forget stuff still. I think everybody's going to do that, but that comes up more frequently. It's remembering yeah. everything. That is fair. Yeah. Um, so let's uh let's go ahead and move into our main topic. So I I was kind of impressed our so some of the people at my game store have been pretty um getting into things fairly competitively. They've been doing like stats of how their games are going and and stuff like that. <laughs> and one of the things that was interesting with it was they were keeping track of how often someone who lost the first uh, struggle ended up coming back and winning struggles two and three to win the game. Mm-hmm. And so far they, I don't think they're currently keeping track, but at one point it was something like three times out of 26 games, the person who lost the first struggle came back and won the next two. Which who, who what? That seems feels like a really lower low number than I was expecting. Me, right? Yeah. I have questions. <laughs> okay. Um so I guess I guess my first question is obviously a a big part of um of this game is the design structure of you have 
you know, kind of your random first struggle. And then the person who wins that is pretty heavily advantaged to win the two other randomized struggles. And I, I mean, I guess, first of all, would you, would you say that that is a factually accurate statement? Um, so, hmm, I don't know that I agree with it. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily wrong, but I don't know that I agree with it in every, every sense. So, and, and, and to, what would, what would you say is a more accurate phrasing of, of what I was trying to say? Hmm. So yeah, maybe it, it was how you said it for me, but so somebody wins the first one. The second person probably wins the second one. Mm-hmm. The third one, the third one is been a little bit more contested in my games and in the area. And it's getting to be increasingly more contested. Uh, a lot of people are putting a lot of effort in, <clears throat> excuse me in predicting and being mindful of where to put their models for the next struggle and keeping an eye on whether or not they can just that they just let go it's 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 come up even in conversation or even during the game they're like i don't know if i should just like let you have this struggle or uh and i've said it too like i i think i just i'm just going to give you the struggle and and then i prepare myself for where the next ones go and that has been more of a determining factor of who wins the second and third struggles more so than than anything else um, as games have been progressing here. So I think and and I and I made this comment earlier on and I and I think I'm starting to get a sense of it, too, where some lists might just be a little bit better at the later game tempo than the earlier game tempo. Yeah. The list that I've been been playing has been winning the second and third scenarios much more often than the first scenario. I and part of it is be just because of its reactive quality. It has to essentially be activated in order to really start to to get going, and that isn't going to happen probably until the later part of the first struggle or even the second struggle. And once it does happen, then I'm in a much better position to take advantage of even that third struggle based on how it transitions from two to three. So I, I think in the earlier parts of the game for a lot of people, as everybody's learning it, it seems like if you win the first one, you lose the second one, and then you probably win the third one just by the nature of how things happen to go. But as of now, I don't know that that necessarily has, I don't know that that's aging um, the same way with people who are getting increasingly more familiar with this particular um, struggle mm-hmm. or mission pack, I guess. And I guess here's here's my counterpoint to that, uh-huh. or why why I think that there is um, a, some at least some notes of validity to the initial statement. Mm-hmm. So if you win the first struggle, you are fifty percent of the way to victory. You only need True. to win one out of two scenarios. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that, I would say that in that sort of situation, it, it, it logically makes sense that you would be advantaged to win the game because it's obviously a lot more difficult to win two scenarios in a row than to, um, than to just win one out of two. Yeah, that's true. Um, and 
and I would I, I would probably say that I I think it's kind of interesting. So there's a lot of Euro board games where there's a catch up mechanic intentionally designed in the board game, and I think that in some ways in this mission pack, the way that they have the second set of struggles designed is that usually the player who lost the um, the first struggle is going to be able to find one of them that advantages them fairly heavily. And it's it, it almost reminds me of, um, like I said, a, a catch-up mechanic in, mm. um, in a Euro game. I think there mm. are situations where... Um, you know, things are, you're, you're just out of position or you draw something bad or whatever. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that it's guaranteed that the person who lost the first struggle is going to win the second one. Um, I, I do think it's probably fair to say that they are advantaged in, in the second struggle usually. Um, so it's just a trade off of advantages. The first player who win or the person who wins the first struggle is advantaged for the game. The second mm-hmm. player is, is, a, is advantaged to win the second struggle. The, the person who lost, I mean. So, I, and I guess the, and, and granted, I, this, this, I, this dynamic or some of this could change with different mission packs, I would assume. But mm-hmm. I, I yeah. guess I have the question for you. Do you feel like this kind of core game mechanic is something that is fun? Do you like the way that it works? I, so far I do. Yeah, so far I do. Um, it, I mean, I think it it feels like there's a game afoot a lot of the time. Now, once in a while, and I don't see it as often, and it doesn't happen as often, uh, where the first player wins the first struggle and then they win the second struggle and the game's over. I feel like that happens less, even less than the person who uh, who won the first struggle wins the third struggle. So I think that that is a... In my experience, and that's just it's just what I can speak to. Uh, think that that not happening super frequently means that it's in a pretty good place at the moment, and I'm enjoying that the tug of war where it's it's a nail biter for the first struggle. The second struggle is sort of a catch your breath and make plans. Uh, at least if you won the first struggle, you can catch your breath and make plans for the third struggle, and uh, it gives an interesting sort of nuance to the game if you lost the first struggle and you have to find a balance between winning this struggle and then winning the game. I, I'm I'm enjoying it so far uh, with this mission pack. I think it's even with just the one mission pack, it's still always giving me more and more to explore. And and I think perhaps that was the intent that way that people could really dive into one thing fully and by the time that they've really 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 figured their way around it then they'll have a new one or two new ones to to introduce and and people will be able to to learn not the game but the the mission packs and and what they have to offer so to answer your your question again yeah i i am enjoying it i i think it's a fun mechanic right now um and i think it's going to be an even more interesting mechanic to unpack in a premier showdown situation where you can uh, be able to be a little bit more bespoke with your strike force. Yeah, I think the I think that some of the things that I've maybe struggled with on it is that if I look at 
um, if I look at, I, I normally approach a game from, or in the past, I've, I've approached a game from a competitive mindset. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's kind of two things with, with Shatterpoint that, um, that kind of bump up against that a little bit. And mm. I don't think that that should, uh, conflict necessarily with having fun playing the game, but I think that sometimes maybe I, it, I allow it to, or, or I don't know uh, how to phrase it. But so the, the things I'm talking about are, um, in general, I, I feel like usually when you are, uh, playing a game competitively, Mm-hmm. You, you are, um, looking at, um, trying to remove randomness from your gameplay. Sure. And two of the, the kind of pretty big core mechanics of this game that introduce randomness into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked previously about the, the activation deck. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's an element that adds randomness. I'm, I'm mostly used to, games where you're able to pick what models you're going to activate. Um, but the other mm-hmm. one is the randomness of the scenarios that you play. And so mm-hmm. that can have a, a pretty big impact, obviously, on you know what, what scenarios randomly you draw from the mission pack um, can have a pretty big impact on how mm-hmm. well you perform in the game. Um, so, I don't know, I, I guess... I'll say I'm, I'm not going to say that I, I think that the mechanic of playing like best two out of three mini scenarios and, and those scenarios that I don't like it. Um, so far I'll say that I feel like I'm, I need to play more of it. And I, I do, I have had a lot of fun games of Shatterpoint. And so, um, I don't want to give that impression, but I guess I'm, I'm just kind of giving the, a stream of consciousness thinking about um, thinking about the game and those aspects. Yeah, no, I, I get, I get what you're saying. And I, I mean, to that, I'll say the, the style of, of game that this is weighs a lot more heavily on a, a tactical approach rather than often, I think where at least the, the framework that you and I are familiar with in a, in a much more competitive sense in, in the, the war machine world, uh, that was far more of a strategic game and the small amounts of randomness that were in that game were a lot more predictable. Uh, and then it was even more easy to, or is even easier to possibly remove even that small amount of randomness from the game if you're doing things a certain way. Where this just completely box at that and it really, really focuses on a lot more of a, what do you do when you have you know, a finite amount of control and there's a lot, a lot more out of your hands. And I think if, if you're playing a more strategical game and you shift gears into this, it can definitely feel a lot more. Well, it's just, it definitely, I'll, I'll put it this way. It has a very different mouthfeel. And, and I, I think for me, I really like the tactical parts of this hobby. So I, I, I and I, and I think this is, this game really, scratches a lot of those itches for me where i don't need or want to necessarily figure out how to play a game with complete control and no randomness i want to figure out what i can do when i have much less control and so does my opponent and we both have to sort of make a lot of the tactical plays in 
in a sense where we have less information, if that makes if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, in, a, sure. in a sort of stream of consciousness sort of way. Uh, I think Marvel for us is sort of a, a nice hybrid of the two, where there's mm-hmm. a lot of strategy and there's a lot of tactics, uh, and and this is much more tactical than than strategic. And not that there isn't strategy; it's just there's there's an emphasis I feel much more on one side than the other. But I get what you're saying too. Uh, <laughs> it 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 can. It, I mean, hmm. I I'll say when I play Marvel MCP, uh, the Crisis Protocol, it it feels nice to play Marvel and to play this game uh, when I have the bandwidth or or the opponents because they. I, I like I like both both options I guess is, is what I'm saying I, I really like having more control I also like having less control not that that's really much of an answer but or or I guess a more stream of conscious uh, as well this evening but that's kind of where I'm at with uh, with the struggle system I like I like it I, I like I like not having the control sometimes and I just have to ride the wave so. I guess we, we spend a fair bit talking about like our, how we feel about the game or, or its design philosophy or whatever. But mm. now I'm, I'm curious to, to get your opinion on, um, I guess not opinion, but for us to start talking, I guess strategies <laughs> about if, if you've lost the first struggle, um, where do you mm-hmm. go from there? Or, and I, I guess before, we even get that far let's let's discuss that stat that i kind of dropped about yeah. the kind of abysmal win-loss rate um what what do you think was going on there well I, so I, I mentioned i have questions and i do so the the first few, few that come to mind are who were the people playing to get those stats what were they playing to get those stats and i mean not 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 to to say one way or the other, but I'm curious if there was already a, a sort of asserted bias towards an outcome that may have furthered the likelihood of that outcome. Uh, <laughs> um, the, yeah. So I, is it just the same couple of people? Or are they? I, so yeah, I, those are my first first few questions. Do you, if if you have any sort of answer for those? Um, I don't know. I would say. I guess I would probably say that. There were a fair number. There's been a fair number of people in my shop that this is. They they're very competitively minded, um, uh-huh. but this is some of their first miniatures games. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't. I'm 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 not sure I can shed more light than that necessarily. <laughs> well, I, I and I wonder too. This isn't more of a. This is more of a musing or a meditation rather than than a question. But I, w- I wonder if it's just sort of the part of of how the game seems to be maturing here, where there's and, and a, a lot of people here are also competitive uh, in, in in many different ways, and there's a lot of talk about knowing and being able to predict uh, where or, or what the likelihood of all of the different positions are going to be, and really keeping that sort of photocopied on the back of their eyelids. Uh, so, and that, and it shows like our games are showing that way where positioning is, is, is not being always in, in sort of engaging. And there's a lot, there's now more of an emphasis on moving 
and I, I wondered if this would happen, and I so far it, it is. And uh, what, what was happening in the first stage of the game isn't isn't happening here. So I wonder maybe it's just the for them maybe the first they're still in this first stage of the game. It could be your, your local area where the style of lists are maybe similar and they do better in different parts of the game. I, I, I wonder as well. Uh, and I mentioned, I'm, I'm curious uh, what, like, what would all, you, what would you guess is the average win loss rate at in your area mm-hmm. um, for people who won the first or let's say lost the first match and then go on to win both. So lost the first and then won the game. Yeah. So they they win second and third. You mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it. I don't think it is as high as winning the first round and then winning the game. However, I I think without a doubt it is much higher than and climbing. I will say than the three out of what like. Is it like 10%? It sounded like 10% of the games. Uh, where yeah, 10%. The second probably. player wins, or yeah, the, the, the person who wins the second one wins the game. Yeah. Uh, I think that the ratio is probably, probably three times that if, if, if not maybe a 40%. What do you hear? Sure. What, what would you say if so putting on your game designer hat? <laughs> uh, if you were to. Uh-huh. So let's, let's, let's compare this, for example, to, um, I guess, mm. again, to War Machine, where, uh, people mm-hmm. would look at faction win, win loss records. And mm-hmm. there would be certain factions that at conventions would, would have a really high win loss rate. Mm-hmm. And they, there would be a percentage and, and people would debate, you know, what percentage was, uh, ex, you know, acceptable or not acceptable. Um, but what, what would you say if you were a game designer, you think it is a good percentage to target for, um, for this scenario? I, I think generally speaking, the goal would be parity. So you want about 50, 50 or as close to it as possible. Uh, so it has, I mean, if that was, to do with, if, if that was true, I mean, I feel like that's the, the goal, right? That, that's the what you're shooting should, should have an advantage. Well, they do have an advantage, but it's a different advantage because the person who loses the second struggle also has an advantage. Right. So you're just to make sure I understand what you're saying. You're saying that there should be it should be like if I win the um, the first struggle, mm-hmm. I should have a 50 50 chance on whether or not I'm going to eventually win one of the next two struggles. Right. Yeah. So you so in my mind's in my mind's eye and. and I'm going to just simplify this, this sort of armchair design approach sure. at the moment uh-huh. here. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so like it, it, the goal is for it to be about players and player skill, but there's also randomness. There's also a lot of randomness. You don't have full control of when stuff activates. You don't get to decide what the results of the dice rolls are going to be. And you don't get to decide what the scenarios are going to be or in what order they're going to arrive. So there's a lot of stuff outside of your control. So with that in mind, it would hopefully shine a light on player skill as well. And without knowing anything about either player, you're hopefully creating a situation where each person has a likelihood 
an equal likelihood to win each struggle essentially now for the game i think i think maybe we're not putting enough emphasis or potential emphasis on the advantages we're highlighting the one advantage where the person who wins the first struggle has an advantage for winning the game but they don't have an advantage for winning the second struggle the the person who lost the first struggle does and if that person is able to capitalize on that advantage then the we're back to sort of a 50-50, right? We're back to a coin flip of who can win the third struggle. And again, that's going to be down to the the sort of the player skill or who can sure. capitalize on I mean, the, the I, I guess a better way, and I guess this is kind of why I mentioned um, War Machine and, and like faction win-loss stats, um, mm-hmm. because I I guess I'm, I'm thinking a little bit more, not so much of like a, gra- a granular... This one game, me playing Patrick, what's my mm-hmm. chance to win? Because then there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, it's, it's more interesting to me the question of, let's say that there are a thousand games played out of a pool of players who have equal skill levels. You know, how many times should the player who wins the first game or the, the first struggle should go on to eventually win the match, which is which is kind of similar to the faction win loss rates because at a big convention you're you're looking at hundreds of games and then you'd be able to say you know X faction had a 65% win loss rate and then you would you know be able to opine on you know this is this is a good thing or this is a bad thing. Um, I would my my armchair game theory or game designer hat is that. Once someone wins the first struggle, they should be more likely to eventually win the game. And if we had played the game a thousand times with people that did it, I would probably say like I would want a, min- a minimum of the person who won the first game to eventually win the the total match, like probably sixty percent of the time. Um, if it if it got if it feels to me like if it got too far one way or, or the other, that it would both of them would create issues um if it if the person who if it's if let's say that uh in this scenario where they're paying playing a thousand games and they replicated what's going on at my store and um you know 900 games were were won by the player who did the first one and 100 came back and, and one struggles two and three in my opinion that would be a problem because it kind of gets to the point where it's like oh i lost the first struggle uh, now we're kind of just doing a dance or playing the game for quite a bit longer, even though we kind of know there's a foregone conclusion of who's likely to win, mm-hmm. which I don't think is fun for either player. No. Um, and, but conversely, if it's too far the other way where the, the person who, um, wins the first one doesn't have any type of advantage, then what's, what's even the, you know, the real benefit of, winning the first struggle if it's if you don't have a advantage towards eventually winning the game well i i so i don't think you're wrong and i don't think that i'm i'm right i and i think maybe i'm looking at it now that you phrase it that way slightly differently sure yeah um than, than maybe how you're looking at it i i also struggle with some some of the words like should I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. For me, for me, that invokes sort of an entitlement. Like I won the first struggle, 
now it's my game and my if i lose is. then <laughs> then it's sure then, yeah then yeah yeah i i don't i don't know it, for for me maybe my my brain is just having a, a bit of a a struggle with 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 that um sure, lens yeah. not not that there's anything wrong with it it's just it's my brain um so i i think i mean i think you're right in in the sense that yeah, there is an advantage, and I, and I and I do think there there is an advantage for winning the game if you win the first struggle, the ball's in your court. But I really do think, and I'm finding the more that I play the game, and maybe our area is starting to look more like that ratio that you're you're hoping to see, uh, is that the the being able to capitalize and really possibly looking for the the advantage of the second struggle can can catapult you to win the game pretty easily i'm finding like oftentimes if i can't win that first or that if i if essentially if i cannot dominate the center point on the first struggle i will just let the first struggle go and i will plan my entire positioning for the rest of the game for the second and then subsequent third struggles i will just completely abandon everything the first struggle holds dear uh, I might even, I might even just work on wounding stuff just to make it even easier for me to win the second and third struggles because my force economy is probably going to be a little bit better. Like, I, I will do all of those things. And I think if you do those things, then the chance that you win the game, even losing the first struggle, go up sig- significantly. And I think that a lot of people in the area are starting to see that here too. And that starts shifting shifting the the equilibrium much more towards a 60 40 uh and in, in in your example uh we'll see how much further it shifts because it's starting to change how people design their lists a bit as well including my own um so i guess i guess we'll see um and and maybe i'm looking at the game too from a completely top-down perspective where when i roll up to the table it's a 50 it, at that point it's a 50-50 and it kind of is a 50-50 throughout the game with different advantages but i think the first person who wins that first struggle may there may may be uh, a show of of a s- skill difference there too like if you're winning the first struggle you you maybe put yourself in in a way that suggests that you you have the skills to win win the game as a whole so it's it's I'm still trying to further qualify it for myself and and I'll probably continue to do so after this conversation because it doesn't really it doesn't really fit the same way that the ratio in War Machine would uh or even maybe in in Marvel cuz you're not really playing factions and there's so many different nuances to this game compared to those others. Yeah, I don't know. So you you mentioned towards the start that you feel like there are certain lists that are uh, better at early game and some that are better at late game. What would you say mm-hmm. are some of the the characteristics of each? So I think having ha, starting to look at some of the lists and where their tempo is, I think like early game strengths would be like I see a lot of a lot leveraged with droids pretty early on. They just have so much that they can do. They can reach out kind of quickly, kind of far. 
So they start putting pressure early on. Um, they have a lot of sort of active abilities. So things that seem to have like a lot of active abilities uh, are definitely maybe a little bit. Well, definitely maybe that's. I, <laughs> let me clean that up a little bit. Uh, I, I think potentially have a stronger early game. Things that have more reactive abilities are, are possibly a little bit stronger late game. Uh, reactive abilities often are a little bit cheaper. Not always, but they seem to be a little bit cheaper than, than active abilities because there's a timing, uh, sort of threshold that you have to, you have to cross. And like the list that I've been playing has a lot of reactive abilities and, and that really starts getting, um, that those, those abilities can often gain more traction when you're being interacted with and uh, that those interactions start really humming along later, later in the game. So those are some things that I'm, I'm noticing uh, stuff that allows you to zip around the board pretty quickly, uh, usually active, but that they also tend to be pretty strong early game. But once your stuff starts getting wounded, uh, a lot of, a lot of that early game stuff becomes too expensive to do fully in the late game, whereas a lot of the reactive stuff is still relatively affordable uh, further further into the late game. So those are it's mostly active versus reactive, uh, and what is uh, a bigger part of a character's toolkit. So uh, a, a character that we've we've mentioned in the last episode that we maybe or not maybe that we did. Uh, um, maybe sleep on a little bit too much or, or undervalue was Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She's someone that um, I, I would say probably does well as the game progresses. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I did think of we we you you gave the the hot take last time that you thought that Vader was probably the most overrated yeah. character <laughs> in the game. Yeah. I, I think I I think your hot take <laughs> might have been off i have <laughs> i have a, yeah. a different hot take to throw your way oh let's hear it so who who is the most overrated character right now um i think i want to go with um didn't you say assage last time uh i think uh, i i think i might have i think you did yeah yep yeah i'm sorry okay <laughs> I, I repent here's here's the correct answer <laughs> you can you can tell me how or why I'm wrong. Um, but so I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, Grievous. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, maybe you said Grievous last time. Maybe we, I think Grievous was in. Yeah. Maybe you did say Grievous. I don't know. Maybe I did. Here's my argument. Well, um, like you, you went recently to an event where Grievous was by far the most commonly played primary. Yes. And, like I, I do think that there are things about Grievous that are really strong and good, but I don't think that there's enough to warrant that level of popularity. Yeah, he's cool looking. His model's fierce. Yes. He he's he's got a he's got a decent kit, but he goes down like a ton of bricks. So like I, I'm never really that worried about wounding Grievous because I feel like I can do it pretty handily. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I think you might be right. I think I think he might be a little bit more more of a an overrated character than than Vader. 
Uh, I'm still going to stick with Vader, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think, I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, you might be right. Vader could be number two. Maybe, maybe I'll say Vader's number two. <laughs> uh, and that's not to say either of them are bad. Not to say that either that's of them true. are bad. They're both v- very good characters. But I think the initial hype, my own included, uh, was a little bit maybe higher than, than possibly what, what so far I felt like they've delivered. Cause I, I've seen and participated in a number of circumstances where Vader sort of fell flat and, and when a big scary character can't do their big scary thing and that's the only thing they have, that's, uh, I feel like that, that leaves them in a sort of an underwhelming place. So without extra tricks, the, each of them are sort of, they're not as, as multi-dimensional, I guess I'll say, but it fits their characters. So like the design is spot on with, with the type of character that they are. It's just, uh, where the game is at is maybe moving. It quickly benefited them and maybe is, is going to equally, um, move away in the same sort of pace. We'll see. Yeah. Well, let's... I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I am right. That's correct. I am right. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and stop there. Uh, as always, you can, uh, go to discountgamesinc.com and get the best prices on Star Wars Shatterpoint items. Uh, releasing right away are the Witches of Dathomir and Mace Windu. And that's pretty mm-hmm. exciting. So I'm excited. You should, uh, you should uh, get your orders placed. So, and then, uh, as always, you should subscribe to the Patreon so that you can listen to the bonus episode, like the one we are about to do, and listen to even more Patrick and Jay, and help support the podcast and make this possible. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs>